what your connection is with Christchurch, please. Well, it goes back a long way into the 1980s when my late husband Colin, whom a number of you know, uh, and I were out in Portugal and we were approached by Anne Roberts. And um, we were asked whether we would consider becoming uh, partners with you here at Christchurch. So that was special. And Anne and her husband made a visit out to us and we got to know each other. And it was very lovely to know that that link goes on beyond Collins going to glory. And you've very kindly continued with me until now. So thank you. Thank you for that. Now I bring you greetings also from Ethiopia. That means, may God give you health on my behalf. That's a way of saying hello. Uh, and the second part was, I hope you've had a good night. So now, um, from my team, Fitamlak, my editor, and uh, Teddy, my computer assistant, and Kibbanish, my helper who keeps us going with Ethiopian food. Um, from them all, a very warm greeting, and from those we associate with in the renewal movement that's going on in the ancient Ethiopian Orthodox Church, uh, which is the context of my ministry. And just to make a few points clear about Ethiopia, we're going straight into a short PowerPoint program, and um, I hope that you'll feel into it by the time we get to the end. It's just a short program. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Ethiopia is a country five times the size of the UK in northeast Africa with a population of more than 100 million. Addis Ababa, the capital city, is in the center of the country. There are many contrasting landscapes and many different people groups. The predominant religion is Christianity, but there is also a high proportion of Muslims. Addis Ababa is a fast-changing and rapidly expanding city at high altitude with a population of well over 5 million. The little shanty-type houses are still to be found alongside modern high-rise buildings. Although the evangelical churches are steadily gaining ground, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church still represents by far the largest proportion of the Christian population. The modern churches of the city, as this one, contrast strongly with those in the rural areas or in the mountains. During its long history, the Ethiopian Orthodox Church has sadly lost the fire of the gospel originally preached and has been ravaged by false teachings, extra-biblical books and traditions, and certain pagan practices. 
There is much emphasis on outward rites and ceremonies, on the veneration of saints and angels, and above all on Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here you can see me outside my front door in Addis Ababa with Fatamlak, my editor, Teddy, my computer assistant, and Kibbenish, my domestic helper. We are working together to produce biblical materials that we hope will help people in the church to understand the Bible. I'm the last in a long line of those who've gone before, serving with Crosslinks or BCMS as it was in the earlier days, to encourage the revitalizing of the church and the restoring of the Bible to its rightful place in the church. After the fall of the Marxist government in 1991, God led Colin and myself to concentrate on literature ministry designed to open up the Bible. The first book to be printed was an introduction to the study of the Bible. After Colin's death in 2005, I was able to stay on and continue the ministry with the able assistance of my team. Among the books produced or reprinted over the years are pillar books, resting on the four pillars of Old Testament, New Testament, Christian teaching, and Christian living, and a series of three systematic theology books written by Colin. Recently, a popular little book of Bible studies for young Christians and others entitled The Spirit Sword was reprinted, and very recently... A study book on the prophecy of Isaiah was published and dedicated. You can see those two books, um, the Spirit Sword and the Isaiah book, on the table at the back, together with some photographs and a list for signing for my prayer letter, if that's appropriate for you. There was a psalm given to Colin and myself as we set forth together to return to Ethiopia in 1991. The last two verses remind us of an unchanging truth. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Psalm 126, verse 6. I hope that's given you a little peep into Ethiopia. Um, It is harvest time um, in two senses, really. Um, We hope that there is a harvest in the next weeks in Ethiopia, and we um, believe that there is spiritual harvest going on. Uh, as many, many people within the Orthodox Church, not only there, but um, particularly our emphasis is there, um, are coming to Christ and finding new life in him. Thank you. Thank you, Hazel. The reading this morning comes from Matthew 
chapter 9, verses 9 to 13, and it's headed, The Calling of Matthew. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man, man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray with Hazel. Father, we thank you for the privilege of having Hazel with us this morning. And now we pray for your anointing on her. Thank you, Lord. Give her your words and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support and fellowship with us in Ethiopia. We're deeply grateful. Um, I just always enjoy coming back here to Christchurch and once again linking up with some whom I do know and meeting others who've joined since I was last here. In the Anglican Church in Addis Ababa, where I actually am a member, there is a picture, a drawing, an Ethiopian painting in the usual Ethiopian style of St. Matthew with a quill in his hand, busily writing a scroll. The church was called after Matthew because there is a respected tradition that Matthew, in fact, went to Ethiopia and spread uh, some of the good news there, or spread the good news there. But we can't be utterly sure um, of this being recorded in history. But Matthew, as he is pictured for us in the New Testament, in the gospel that bears his name, lived in the little fishing town of Capernaum on the northern shores of the Lake of Galilee in Israel. He was a tax collector, which meant, of course, that he was not popular uh, with the main citizens of the town because he was collecting taxes for the Roman government under whose domination the people of Israel were living at that time. But one day, something unusual happened. 
This rabbi, Jesus, came by. Probably Matthew had heard something about him because Jesus had ministered in the synagogue, the prayer house of the Jews in in Capernaum, and had done a number of miracles in that area. But on this day, it was different. Jesus came by his tax collector's booth where Matthew was sitting and stopped. And he said, only two words, one in Amharic, actually, Tekatalein, follow me. That, as somebody was reminding me from the first service, was a very distinctive call to belong to the group uh, that Jesus was leading to become one of his disciples. What an amazing thing. Matthew must have heard some amazing things about Jesus already. But now, follow me, to me a tax collector, unpopular with the people, despised by many. Really? He's calling me? It must have been an overwhelming moment for Matthew. But look what we read next. Matthew got up and followed him. Such is often the simplicity with which Jesus may call us. I wonder, have you heard Jesus say to you, follow me? And been amazed that he should actually speak to you. Matthew had a call to follow Jesus. It's the same call, really, that Jesus gives to so many. And because he is, of course, the living Lord, he is still giving this call today. He's among us here. And his call can come to any of us at any time. Now, there's a first time, as it was perhaps for Matthew here, when Jesus calls and calls us to come to him. But there's a call also to follow him as disciples. And this was the call of Jesus to Matthew. Jesus saw Matthew, but he saw Matthew, yes, as he was sitting at the tax collector's booth. But he possibly saw Matthew too, quill in hand, not adding up tax 
payments that he'd been given in order to give account to the Roman government, which he was probably preparing in neat lists, knowing something of Matthew's character. But he saw Matthew writing scripture about Jesus himself. We don't hear of one word said by Matthew in the whole of the New Testament. But what poured out of his heart showed that he was taking it all in as he began to follow Jesus around. The first thing he did when he got up and followed Jesus was to open his home. What a lovely thing to do. Many of you do that here, I know. Open homes where people feel welcome and where um, the marginalized people feel welcome. Here we're all, he, he, I mean, didn't have many friends amongst the rest because he was despised and um, looked upon really as a traitor to the government, a traitor handing over um, Jewish money to the government. But... Matthew was really loved by Jesus. And that was what mattered. And he wanted his friends to come and hear about this amazing person who'd actually taken notice of a tax collector. And always when we hear and see Matthew referred to in the gospel, we read of him as Matthew the tax collector. That's how he referred to himself. Not the others, but he did. He never forgot that Jesus had taken him from there. Sometimes, you know, there are those who feel Jesus could never come and call me. I feel too too unworthy. How can he look upon me? Look at my past. Look at what's happened. Look what I've done. No, it can't be. But Jesus says here, as he um, has this meal amongst the friends and colleagues of Matthew, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What a wonderful thing that is, that Jesus came to call sinners. Those who know they're not right inside. Those who know they're not worthy. So Matthew, yes, he had a call. Jesus, he heard that voice. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word, we can equally hear that voice today. Follow me. Come, be my disciple. Walk with me. Travel with me through your life. And Matthew begins now a hugely exciting venture of faith with Jesus. Doesn't know how it's all going to work out. He knows one thing, 
and that is that he can't say no. There must be a response in his heart to Jesus. And Matthew, well, his response was better than mine because I took so long to wake up and really begin to follow Jesus. But he was immediate and got up immediately, Jesus said. What a pattern for proper response to such a divine and heavenly call. So we learn from Matthew's call, but we learn also from his response, and we learn from his message. Because Matthew became a messenger of the gospel. Maybe somebody who never really preached publicly, we don't have any record of that, who never really felt easy in front of others, as some of us don't, and yet he was a conveyor, a messenger for the Lord Jesus. There are many ways in which God can use somebody who is willing to follow him, willing to follow Jesus, and just unconditionally give themselves to him and say, Lord, do with me what you want. Take me where you will, but let me be with you. Out in Ethiopia uh, at this time, there is a considerably strong opposition to the work of the gospel that's going on in the Orthodox Church. And some people are rejected from their ministries. And uh, the church authorities are pursuing a kind of policy now of trying to squash any renewal that's going on in the church. And people who are following Jesus are not popular with the authorities. There's a great thirst and a hunger amongst many in the church. But there's also strong opposition. And one of these young uh, priests came to my house during this last year. And he, I know, he's led many to Christ. And he has um, gone through much for the Lord, even in his way of discipleship so far. He said to me, you know, it's true, many of us may lose many things. We may lose our jobs, we may lose our popularity with this person or that group. Uh, We may be even turned out of our families. But one thing we must never lose We must never lose Jesus and the joy of his presence in our hearts. If we have this, we have really everything. That was very touching to me and very challenging. If we lose everything and we have Jesus and his presence in our hearts, we really have everything. What a beautiful word that is. And then 
the message that came from uh, Matthew's pen. What was that all about? Well, it was all about how to come into the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, how to know God in our lives, ruling over our lives instead of going our own way, and where it leads to, how we grow in it. As he went along, he began to learn new values, new values. I mean, after all, who would think that it's blessed to be totally empty inside so that you have to depend on God for everything? And who would think it would be blessed to be mourning over sin? And who would think it would be blessed to be meek and willing to be taught? These are all opposite to the values of the world. And Matthew was learning these things and then writing the parts that Jesus taught, he would then put together in this amazingly, wonderfully crafted gospel. And then, yes, he would learn that you can't get into the kingdom of God by just doing what is right or keeping the law. You needed to be changed inside, and that was divine work. That couldn't happen just by trying. Something had to happen inside. And then, walking along the way with Jesus... Knowing God as Heavenly Father, so that there be no anxieties that need overcome us. God providing. And a message about decisions that have to be made. Realizing that there are two destinations, and only two. The destination of life with God forever and the destination of walking the way of destruction or hell as it's often called in the Bible. That is a real reality that has to be faced by somebody who decides are they going to really go with Jesus or are they, do they shy away from this? Because Jesus says It's those who build their lives on actually obeying his word, believing and obeying his word, who will stand the storm finally. These are hard things sometimes. Elsewhere, Jesus speaks of the biblical morality that is needed for those who want to follow his pathway. The two choices of marriage between one man and one woman or celibacy. And that's not my idea or anybody else's idea. It is the words of Jesus. Discipleship. Following Jesus. And yet it is the most marvelous way. But as Matthew discovered more and more about this amazing person who was, um, they were coming to see was the Christ, the Messiah, He then began to track down with Jesus along the pathway towards the cross. 
and to realize that this Messiah who had come was not the one of popular Jewish thinking, a great military hero who was going to set the people free from Roman domination. This was a servant Messiah, a king who was prepared to give his life out of love for the people he was coming to save. And so Matthew takes us in detail through the way of the cross and the way of the resurrection. And then he leaves us finally with the disciples together with Jesus on a mountain. And Jesus, the risen King of glory, saying, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Teach them. Go to all nations and teach them. Make disciples. And so we are gathered up into that commission. If we have shared the call of Matthew in any way that the Lord will bring it to us, and responded to that, then we also share in the commission that is given that Matthew was part of to be part of that group who are commissioned by Jesus to go forth and to tell the good news to others. Many different ways of doing it. It might be writing, like Matthew This was always Colin's favorite gospel for that reason, that he was called um, to do the writing ministry particularly. But it could be something quite different. Called into cooking maybe for others. Called into just a ministry of love and help for other people in need. Many different ways God can call us, but we're all part, gathered up. It's not just those who go out overseas. But I know that you have a heart, uh, some of you, for this kind of ministry already, and it's wonderful. But um, do we realize what a privilege it is to be part of that great commission and the wonderful responsibility, the amazing responsibility that we have in this So I just leave with you these thoughts today. From Matthew, Jesus calls and he calls still, as he called Matthew so many years ago. There's still a need to respond. And is the Lord Jesus not worthy of the kind of response that Matthew gave? He got up and followed him. Letting Jesus lead, letting Jesus transform, letting Jesus do what he needed to in his life to make him ready for the service that he was going to see completed through Matthew. And then passing on the message, however it might be, we are still commissioned to pass on the same message that Matthew did. It is the gospel, one and only, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is the center. 
And all of our thinking and all of our teaching needs ultimately to be pointing to him. That is what we are seeking to do through the literature in Ethiopia now. Um, pointing people to the Lord Jesus, seeking to show them the way. And we're so grateful for your prayers in this. We couldn't do it without that. Um, So let us pray for one another that the Lord will help us to be uh, like Matthew in the contexts of how he's calling you and me in these days. Rise up and follow Jesus and be used by the Lord in the wonderful commission of the gospel. Amen.